So today's message, it's for everybody here. There's something in here for everyone here. But as I prayed over and prepared it, my heart was primarily tilted toward our journey students. And so it's for everyone. You will receive something here. Every challenge, every encouragement, every inspiration is for you. But as I crafted it, journey, especially journey high, but anyone journey high and below this message is for you. Okay? So as you've read the Bible, have you ever noticed that there's these words that pop up in the Bible that are not overly common in our day-to-day vernacular. Now, that's certainly true if you read from the King James Version. You get a lot of thou's, thy's, verily's, hitherto's, yon's, all these things. It's especially true if you read it like the New Testament in the original Greek. It's like, huh, this doesn't make sense. This is all <laughs> Greek to me, right? Yeah, terrible joke. That's okay, I'm a dad. And, uh, But then, even in more modern translations, there are these words we just don't use a whole lot. You know, hark, uh, 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 blessed, not blessed, but blessed, the, you know, official blessed. Uh, Atonement, righteousness, blood sacrifice. We don't talk about these things in our day-to-day lives. And there's another word, a word we're going to talk a lot about today called zeal, okay? Zeal, not veal, that, that, that meat that rich people eat, not seal, the aquatic animal or the singer-songwriter. Zeal, okay? Say it with me. Zeal. Zeal. Zeal is having enthusiasm, having passion. If you have zeal, you're willing and energized to, and motivated to do whatever it takes to get the job done, to further a cause or reach an objective. If you have zeal, you're naturally moved into action. If you have zeal, it might even confuse other people around you. Have you ever been around an overly enthusiastic person? (laughs) Uh, Johanna once said, (laughs) when she first met me, you know, this was six years ago, I forget the exact wording. You'll remember, ask Joanne afterwards, but it was along the lines of, you were, you were uh, not overly, do you remember? Unnervingly happy. There you go. Have you ever met anyone an unnervingly enthusiastic? It can catch you off guard. Zeal is similar, but different. It's when you're so driven, you're so focused, you are leading from a place of conviction that you'll do anything, anything. And nothing will stop you to accomplish that goal. So a question for us to ponder as we unfold this message is what are you passionate about? What motivates you in your life? What moves you to action? Do you have zeal? Today we're looking at our unsung hero, who definitely had zeal. He had zeal for the Lord, a passionate devotion to God. And that is Josiah. He's our unsung hero today. He's a little bit more sung than some of the unsung heroes we've looked at so far. 
a good test to tell how unsung is a person is, are there people named after this person? I know a couple of Josiahs, and perhaps you do too. I don't know any Ebed-Meleks or any sons of Dodo, at least by name. I'll leave that there. Josiah is who we're looking at today. He was the last good king for the people of Judah. In fact, in some respects, according to God's word, he was of the greatest. Look at what it says here. Before him, there was no king like him. He turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Nor did any like him arise after him. That's who we are talking about today. As we prepare to open God's word to Second Chronicles 34, let's pause and turn our hearts to God in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for your servant Josiah who lived and served you all those years ago. We thank you for your true word that reveals him and your goodness to us. As we read your word, we pray that we might be filled with your word and compelled to be transformed by your word. We thank you. We love you. May you, as your spirit can only do, move in and through us here and now this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read together from Second Chronicles 34. We're going to start with verses 1 through 7, pause, and then we'll pick up another section after that. Hear now the true word of the Lord. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And then in his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah, poles, and idols. Under his direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them. He smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. These he broke to pieces, and he scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars, and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the instant altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. Josiah, eight years old when he became king. Any eight-year-olds here today in and around second grade? We have a couple that hang out with us. Imagine an eight-year-old, a second grader. You are now king. And this eight-year-old king did not exactly inherit a healthy, thriving kingdom. Not at all. Consider the last two kings. First, Josiah's grandfather was Manasseh. He has a name that makes him sound wicked. You know, I kind of feel like he was set up for failure here with that name, Manasseh. 
He was a wicked man, okay? He exalted idolatry all throughout Judah. He built altars to false gods, and he even built altars in the temple of God. He offered sacrifices to these false gods, including some of his own children in the fires of sacrifice. That is, just sit on that for a minute. He practiced witchcraft and divination. God spoke to him, and he and his people ignored God. So, God allowed Manasseh to be captured and led away by the Assyrians. Get this, the the text says he was led away by a hook in his nose. That's like being pulled by your ear, but a whole lot worse. A hook in your nose. Manasseh was pulled away. He was a prisoner. And finally, in that low place, he cried out and called out to God. He humbled himself and... God, in his goodness, delivered Manasseh. He rebuilt the temple walls, and he removed the altars that he had set up in the temple. Not all the altars, but the ones in the temple. He tried to have his people turn back to God, but at this point in his reign, they no longer listened to him. Oh, they liked their idolatry that they were living in. He tried to call them back on the Lord, but they did not receive or listen. Now his son, Amon, became the ruler after him, Josiah's father. He was even more wicked than Manasseh was. He was so wicked that his officials assassinated him and made his son, Josiah, the king. So Josiah, eight years old, steps into this history of, of Judah. And you know these officials were trying to manipulate and control Judah, or excuse me, uh, Josiah this entire time, this eight-year-old king with, who had a terrible father figure and a terrible grandfather role model. And so the text tells us when he is 16, eight years later, half his life later as being king, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Note the importance of language there. It's not his earthly actual father, Amen. He is not going in the way of that father. He's going in the the way of his ancestral father, David. And so he finds God in his ways. 16, give or take a few years of some of our journey high students. He is now king, and he is seeking the Lord. Now, if you ever wondered if you can make a difference in this world as a teenager— This book right here, this true book right here is filled with teenage world changers. Okay? You betcha, as a teenager, you can make a difference. Just consider Josiah, 16 years old. Four years later, only 20 years old. That's the Kenna's and Janelle's of our flock here, okay? Give or take a few months. What does he do at 20 years old? He cleans house. He gets all those idols out of there. He goes against his grandfather, Manasseh. He goes against his father, Amen. He goes against the people of Judah who have been living and worshiping in idol-worshiping revelry. 
And now this 20-year-old punk is saying, we can't do that anymore? But that's what Josiah did. Josiah does it. Why? Because of what this text told us in verse 2. Because Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Not his people, not his friends, in the eyes of the Lord. And he followed the ways of his father David. Not Amon, David. Not turning aside to the right or to the left. Those counselors trying to speak in his ear what he should do, he didn't have ears for them. He had ears and eyes only for the one true God. And he did this all because of his zeal for the Lord. And what we find is if you have zeal, you don't go halfway. He didn't go halfway getting rid of these idols. He didn't just take the ones out of the temple. No, he fully purged all territory of these false gods. Can you imagine the uproar from the people who have bought into this way of life? He did this to such an extent and in fullness and completeness that, that the priests of those idols, their bones were burned upon those false altars. Josiah did not hold back. His zeal for the Lord led him to this faith, excuse me, this faith-fueled action. So a question for us to consider, where in our lives do we sense God calling us to up the zeal, <laughs> to zealously follow him, to, to what faith-fueled action has he placed before you? You see, do not stray to the right or to the left, but only turn your attention fully on God and follow him. Now, in verses 8 through 17, we're not going to read it, but you should. You should go home and read it. This is what happens. After Josiah cleans house, he sends some of his people to repair the temple. It had some quite a bit of damage, so go repair the temple. These people acted very faithful in their duties. The text makes a point to tell us, in fact, that the carpenters and the builders that they contracted to do the work did the work faithfully. You see, Josiah's faithfulness was trickling down throughout his people. Whereas his father's faithlessness made those beneath him less, Josiah's faithfulness made those beneath him more. And the same is true for you and me. Your faithlessness will make others around you less. But when you are faithful, your faithfulness will make others around you more. Your faithfulness may inspire and encourage others simply by how you are choosing to live. Now this is kind of, it's almost humorous when you read it. Because it's unfathomable at first glance what happens next. They're cleaning up the temple. Apparently it was in really bad Work, shape. And while they're working on the temple, what happens? But as people discover the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. We believe it to be the book of Deuteronomy, the same book of Deuteronomy you and I have read. It was misplaced sometime during these last two kings' rule. Can you even imagine that? 
I mean, it, it reveals how desperate this situation was that Josiah found himself in, that this book had been lost. Deuteronomy was written for God's people, almost ironically, to remember what God had done for them and to encourage them to keep their lives focused only on him. And you know what else happens in Deuteronomy? It says a whole lot about worshiping idols as being a big no-no. So it's a little bit no wonder this book was lost during these last two kings' reign. So in that context, we pick up from verse 19, still in chapter 34. This will be 19 through 21. When the king heard the words of the law, that is the ones that were just rediscovered, he tore his robes and he gave these orders to Hilkiah Alkaim, son of Shaphan, Abdan, son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's attendant, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant that is left in Israel and Judah about what has been Found. In other words, is this true? Is this accurate? Is this actual the book of the Lord? And then he says, Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us, Grandpa and Dad and all the followers, gone on before us, have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this Your faithlessness makes others less, but your faithfulness makes others more. Let's name a reality that each of us deals with. We like to believe we treat sin heavily with the weight it deserves. But each and every one of us, if we're honest, we can admit it's in our human sinful nature to treat sin lightly, to make excuses or to blame someone else, to minimize the harm that it actually causes. And beyond that, we all have our, our pet sins that, oh, you know, that's not as big of a deal, right? Or the ones we focus on and, 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 and we, we say, those are the sins we need to be concerned about, or we have our favorite sins to ignore. We all do this. We all have our justifications. And yet in God's eyes, sin is sin. And as we read this, I, I say this because as we read this, Josiah did not believe in that worldview. He was so appalled at the people's sin, at the fact that they weren't living by God's word, that they, that they had strayed so far, so far that they lost God's word, that he tore his clothing in grief. Have you ever had that kind of experience? Kind of come to Jesus moment when you realize the extent of maybe something you've done. It's like, oh. Or perhaps it's, it's, it's when, when you, you just feel so compelled to respond to an injustice that you have witnessed. Or maybe it was that very first time maybe at Spring Hill or maybe in the journey room 
where, you, where God's love and grace for you and the weight and depth of your sin finally clicked into place and you made a decision. Or maybe you have had a season in your life where you have lost God's word and you weren't living on his path, but you were straying left, you were straying right, you were doing a do do But like Josiah, and as it says in 2 Corinthians, true understanding of our sin, true understanding of our sin leads us to sorrow, a sorrow that leads us away from sin. See, we name sin, sin. So what sin have we been excusing? What sin do we pretend is not so bad? God does not take sin lightly, and neither should we. God doesn't take sin lightly because he came to die so that we might be freed from sin. And as the depth of sin starts to seep into our understanding, we also see in his true word what it tells us, that his grace goes even deeper. See, it's, it's that two-pronged truth, the depth of our sin and the even greater depth of God's grace that compels us forward to be zealously faith-filled followers of the one true king, just like Josiah. See, Josiah went on to do several more amazing things in his life of faith for the Lord and in his zeal in his 31 years of king. I encourage you to read it in 2 Chronicles 34 and, and 35. It's also in, I, I think it's 2 Kings, not 1 Kings. Forgive me if it's one of those. Just read all of it. It's all good. And you'll find Josiah. And all throughout, Josiah never lost his zeal, never strayed to the left or the right. As that text said at the beginning, as you see again now, before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according all to all the law of Moses. Nor did any like him arise after him. And perhaps hearing that says, you know, that sounds familiar. Well, I, we did read it about 10 minutes ago, so that's good. But it also likely sounds familiar because it's found in the Shema. The Shema, which was actually written in Deuteronomy, the very book that Josiah had rediscovered and that he very clearly took to heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He believed it so dearly, he became known for it. That's what he was known for by living this out. And we read in the Gospels as well, Jesus reaffirms this as the greatest commandment. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? He asks them back. says, well, it's love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, soul, strength. And the second is like it, to love others as yourself. We know that's the greatest commandment, to love God with everything we got and to love others as God loves us. See, Josiah was not content with a quiet faith, with a personal faith, 
that didn't reach out and affect others. He wasn't content with a faith that was just fine to worship how he saw fit and let everyone else do their own thing. Josiah desired to see the nation worship the one true God. And all of this at 8, at 16, at 20 years of age. So to end our time with this message today, There are four truths we learn from Josiah on what it takes to live with zeal. The first is this. Do not let your age hinder you from serving God. Whether you are two or 102, you have a mighty important role to play in God's kingdom work. If you're older than 102, kudos you still have a work to play. If you're younger than two, you don't know it yet, but you have an important role to play too. Regardless of where you are on that age spectrum, God has called you to do his mighty good work. Josiah was 16 years old, and we saw the ways he did this. A word to those on the first half of that age spectrum. Not to discount the, those on the upper end, this word's true for you as well, but a specific word, especially for you journeyers. You are not just leaders of tomorrow. You are also leaders of right now, of today. Okay? You have immense influence of your friends, of your family, here in your church, indeed in this world. There are a lot of talking heads out there that like to project what your generation will be. But those in relationship with you see what it's already becoming, and it is beautiful. Every generation has growing edges and strengths, and I am deeply encouraged by your strengths. And I encourage you to write the story of your generation. You already are and it is beautiful. You have influence because God has gifted you. He has called you. He will continue to equip you for the very good work that he has set out for you. You inspire me. You have encouraged me. I'm a better person and a better pastor because of you individuals and who you are and how you have, have, have built me up and encouraged and inspired me for the future. I can't wait to see what you will continue to do. Take heart the very words of Paul that he said to Timothy. Never let anyone look down on you because you are young. No, never. You are world shapers. Keep seeking God and pressing forward. And in fact, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. That includes yourself. Never look down on yourself or write yourself out because of your age. An important word for all of us. Now the second thing, besides letting our age hinder us from serving God, Josiah's dad was a terrible role model. His grandpa made some good changes at the end, and we praise God for that, but he wasn't a great example And maybe when you hear that, maybe you're sitting here and and that that connects for some of you. Maybe that rings true for you a little bit. And 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 you you have these wounds from your dad or your mom or or what have you, and you've never had their approval and you've sought it your whole life. 
The good news is that you are not your dad. You are not your mom. You are you. You are designed, you are crafted, and created by God as God desired you to be, as God needs you to be. He gifted you, he crafted you, he will carry you forward as you seek to love and serve him. Some of us may never be able to earn the approval of our dads and our moms. But each one of us here has a God who loves us so fully and completely that he gave his life for us. There is profound comfort and beauty in that, that we have a father who loves and sees and cares. If you think no one sees you, he sees you. If you think no one cares for you, God cares for you. We seek the approval of that father who looks down on us with his grace-filled eyes. Not, not anyone else here on earth, our heavenly father alone, just as Josiah. And the third thing is to hold true to his word for each of us to read this book, to know this book, to live this out, to believe this. This book is alive. It is true. It is powerful. It is God's word. And in a world ripe with confusion, this book brings us clarity. See, this world, the enemy of God, Satan, wants nothing more than for us to sway to the right or to the left. Ironic, we often refer to our political parties in that way. You do with that what you will. That's not a political statement. It's just our attention is often drawn to things that are lesser than this. And God wants nothing more than for us to stay focused on him. See, the enemy wants us to lose sight of what matters, to buy into lies, to worship modern-day idols, and oh my goodness, they are aplenty, and, and, and to buy into modern-day thought and belief. But we already have all the knowledge we need to live a fruitful and faithful life right here as found in God's true word. Know this word. Love this word. Live it out. And the fourth thing is to rue our passion in Jesus Christ. You see, there are a lot of causes in this world. There's a lot of good causes in this world. A lot of things constantly fighting for our energy and our passion and our attention. But there is only one cause that is reigning over all of those, and that is the cause of Christ. Zealand, Michigan has a very cheesy saying. And I'm going to say it because it's going to help us here. It's probably already on the screen. It's feel the zeal. Woo! Go to Zealand, Michigan. You can feel the zeal. I don't know what that means in that context. I don't know how you feel the zeal of Zealand. Apparently it's a, a vibe you can get from Zealand, Michigan. But in this context, it's encouragement for all of us to feel the zeal. Not Zealand, Michigan, but the zeal of God. To live with zeal, it's to live not on our own power, but fully on his. You see, God's power is greater than any barrier. Living passionately for him is better than any man-made calling you may find. 
If you are seeking direction, step passionately toward God, and you will find it. If you are seeking comfort, step passionately toward God, who can comfort you in any circumstance or situation. If you are seeking answers, step passionately toward God, and he will give you enough for what you need to move forward. Because only in God is his grace so amazing. Only in God can he turn graves into gardens and things of beauty. Only in God is surrender a complete victory. And only in God may we come to him to lay down our burdens, to lay down our hurts, to lay down all our struggles and our sin and our pain and confess all we've gone through when we've gone to the left and to the right and reclaim a zeal for an amazing God like we have never had before. People of God, there is a battle going on in this world and Satan is having a heyday doing all he can to distract us, to shift us to the left or to the right, to lose focus on him and what matters. There's one thing that matters and it is having a completely sold out zeal for the Lord to do the hard work of confessing our sins before him, to do the hard work of knowing him fully and completely so that when we mess up, we go quickly to him and to be about the things that matter. Friends, may we all live with the zeal of our Lord, the zeal that Josiah shows us, a zeal that as we live in faithfulness, we encourage others around us, we build them up, and together, God will move mountains through our faithfulness. May it be so for each of us here this day and always. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your unending grace and love that showers over us every moment of every day. We thank you that each beat of our heart is a gift from you, that each breath of our lungs is because you allow it to be. We thank you that you hold this universe and everything in it together at all times. Forgive us for the ways we lose sight of your goodness. Forgive us when we lose our passion and our excitement and our energy to follow you and put you first in all ways. We thank you for Josiah for being an example for us. We pray we may be more like Josiah. We pray that you, as only your spirit can, stoke that fire of passion within us once again. We thank you for your son Jesus for giving us the ultimate example of how to live as well as the ultimate example of your love. May we love you as fully and completely as we possibly can. May we love those that are around us as fully and completely as you love us and have the wisdom to ask your forgiveness and be encouraged once again when we mess up. Pray now, God, that you work in each of our hearts to stir up within us those things that we need to do, the steps we need to take, uh, a step toward you to get us back more fully on your path this day. 
Thank you for your grace as you move us there. Thank you that in your conviction, we also have your love. May it be so for each of us, God. May we leave here more like you today. Praise your name. It is in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen.